This is Tim Tap, host of Tap Into the Truth that you can hear every Friday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern on the K-Star Talk Radio Network, Liberty Talk FM, ZMA Radio, and the Vera Networks. Command codes verified. is in a crucial stage It's not because of foreign wars we wage It's more to do with the colors blue and red Too many laws and too much government Can you tell me where the Constitution went? The Bill of Rights is just hanging by a thread So many people try to cross the border Politicians build a new world order Minds are convinced they should be led. I've got to be free the way God made men, and I won't be ruled by the damn new end. Taking your right to self defense. They say you're safe, but they don't make sense. Dangerous ones will not turn into guns. Always ask for more. All the bodies made out of foreign shorts. Come a day when there'll be real hell to pay. I gotta be free the way God made men. And I won't be ruled by the damn wet. Hello, welcome to today's podcast and tap into the truth. Hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you are and whatever you may be doing, with all the usual caveats, of course. With you as always, I am your ever so humble and mostly peaceful host, Tim Tap, coming to you live from historic Rome County, Tennessee, and so very glad to have you along for the ride wherever you're listening from, whether you're kicking it in Columbia, South Carolina, listening on WCETFM. Whether you're hanging out over on thelastfrequency.com, maybe you're listening on Liberty Talk FM, maybe you're over on the K-Star Talk Radio Network, or possibly you're at ZMA Radio. Regardless of where you're listening, thank you for being here live. I appreciate it in a way that I can't possibly express. Today should be an interesting uh, day. We've got some great guests scheduled. We've got first-time guest scheduled Fred Letwin. He's the author of the book Oliver Stone's Film Flam. 
Uh, we'll be discussing things involving the conspiracies surrounding the JFK assassination and uh, how a lot of folks have made a lot of money uh, by virtue of spreading conspiracy theory. We're also scheduled to be joined by Richard V. Battle once again. He'll be coming on, and we'll try to get caught up and get a little more in-depth with a couple of topics that kind of got left by the wayside because, you know, I've been pretty well focused on the events of October 7th and the fallout since then. We might even broach that topic a little bit with Fred uh, as far as where things seem to be going, but we'll be uh, looking with Richard to talk about things like the battle over the House Speaker race and how things played out there and where that looks to be going. And, of course, the shooting in Maine and uh, the inevitable calls for gun control. Because, you know, I, I really didn't focus very much on those stories. Then in the second half of the uh, show, we're scheduled to be joined once again by journalist extraordinaire. She works at redstate.com, and you can find her at our own substack called Gumshoe Politics. We're, of course, talking about Miss Becky Noble. And uh, we'll be covering various topics with her as well. But before we get into anything at all, need to talk to you a little bit about our friends over at the Harvard Gold Group. Yes, that's right, ladies and gentlemen. As I have mentioned a time or two already, it's pretty obvious that when it comes right down to it, there's a lot of reasons why you should have gold. I mean, it's not a coincidence that you have the Federal Reserve. It's not a coincidence that you have every country around the world, every centralized bank, every major institution of note, all can have a holding of gold, a significant holding of gold. If the folks that control fiat currency own gold, shouldn't you? Fair question. And it is a question that you can easily answer for yourself by simply giving the folks a call over at 844-977-GOLD. That's 844-977-4653. Or you can visit them at harvardgoldgroup.com. Be sure in either case that you mention code TAP, T-A-P-P, so that they know that I sent you and so that you can qualify for additional free gold or silver should you decide to make a qualifying purchase. they got a lot of great deals going over there, but all you're really doing right now is you're reaching out for a 100% free copy of their financial uh, – what's the word I'm looking for? Oh, yeah, their financial – investment guide. That's it. All right. So at any rate, be sure to check them out. The Harvard Gold Group, they're great folks. I received some physical gold and silver from them uh, just last week. I mentioned it then, and uh, I'll remind it again. Uh, whether you want to put it in your IRA and protect your savings as you go into retirement, or if you actually want to get delivered to you physical gold and silver, they've got you covered. One more time, that's harvardgoldgroup.com. Mention TAP, T-A-P-P. Or give them a call at 844-977-GOLD. Now, with that being said, we have our first guest of the day already on board with us. So, I would like for you to welcome to the show uh, a gentleman who has written three books, two of them involving 
conspiracies and uh, things going around with the JFK assassination. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the show today's first guest, Fred Litwin. Uh, Fred, first and foremost, thank you so much for joining us from uh, the uh, Canadian land and uh, glad to have a, a neighbor uh, to... <laughs> I'm suddenly tongue-tied, Fred. Please forgive me. Glad to have a neighbor from the north joining us uh, live tonight. How are you doing today? Good. Thank you very much for having me. All right. Well, you know, it's always a, a privilege to have folks, especially folks that may have some different viewpoints. Uh, I don't know if you're aware, but we're typically a conservative con uh, talk show here. But we like to have good conversation, and I, I saw the uh, – the premise of your book, Oliver Stone's Film Flam, and I was thinking to myself, we don't have enough conspiracy debunkers come on the show. Lots of times we spend a lot of time trying to debunk conspiracies ourselves or occasionally engaging with conspiracies, but either way, it, it's good to have you here. Uh, so if you don't mind, first tell the listeners a little bit about yourself. Well, uh, I grew up in Montreal, Canada, and uh, I think uh, my interest in the JFK assassination started in 1975. I was 18, sitting at home watching uh, late-night television, the Geraldo Rivera show, and he played the Zapruder film, which is the film of the assassination taken by Abraham Zapruder. It was the first time the film had ever been shown on national TV in the, in the United States. And I was floored by the fact that uh, the fatal headshot shows that Kennedy's head went back and to the left. But, of course, the Warren Commission said that he was shot from behind. And so I had to figure out what was going on. And uh, that set me off on a several-decade chase to learn the truth about the JFK assassination. Well, you know, it, it is astounding uh, to me whenever somebody develops this natural curiosity, sees something that doesn't seem to fit with the accepted narrative and then takes it upon themselves to jump in. Now, at first, you did uh, kind of see yourself as believing that there was some conspiracy going on, right? Yes, yeah, so I, I really thought there was a conspiracy. Uh, um, on In terms of the headshot, um, I, I actually uh, went to the library. I got a Mark Lane's book, Rush to Judgment, which was a conspiracy book, and I found out that he had said that um, the autopsy x-rays and photos had been confiscated by federal police agents. Uh, but it was an old book, so I went to the periodical index, and I found out that, in fact, the autopsy x-rays and photos had turned up, and in 1972, two doctors had examined them, and they both said uh, that Kennedy was shot from behind. So that at least settled it from my perspective about the headshot. But I had other concerns, and uh, I believed in conspiracy until 1991, when I was living in England, and I got all the evidence from the House Select Committee on Assassinations, and that really helped change my mind. Yeah. Well, I mean, it does really play to the point that if you look at source materials, if you have access to source material, you get a better feel for the reality of a situation. Uh, a lot of uh, people, they enjoy the... Uh, the flashiness of, say, an Oliver Stone movie, for example. And uh, all of a sudden, uh, given our current culture, sadly, uh, all you know about a supposed historical uh, picture is what's presented in the movie. And people tend to take a lot of that as being the fact 
uh, and don't bother to try to separate out the fiction part of it. So what would you say was the triggering point for you to decide you wanted to debunk Oliver Stone? Because it's not the, the JFK movie necessarily, although I think based yeah. on what I've heard to this point that it probably started with the JFK movie from Oliver Stone. But then the book here is more of a debunking of the Oliver Stone, um, the uh, oh, pff, documentary series. Yeah, the documentary. I don't know why I'm having such a hard time tonight. I'm sorry, Fred, but uh, anyway, you well, knew where I, think, I was going, so yeah. I'll, I'll let you kind of yeah. jump in. Well, basically, when when you have a, a, a familiarity with the with the actual the primary documents, as I do, I really I watched his documentary series and I realized that this was very superficial, and that when you actually go into the real evidence, the documents, um, they tell a very different story. And that is why my book is extremely documented. I have a lot of documents in my book, and I have over 600 hot links to documents online so that people can actually read these documents for themselves. You don't have to rely upon my interpretation. You could actually see for yourselves that his allegations are just not sustained by the evidence. You know, one of the other things that I like about the book uh, specifically is you spend a lot of time going into not just why uh, this part of the conspiracy theory is wrong, but you go to a lot of the different aspects of conspiracy theory so that if you're somebody that jumps in, like whether you're talking about the Warren Commission, whether you're talking about G JFK and the CIA uh, – the questions around Jack Ruby, uh, questions in regards to whether or not a lone gunman would be possible, uh, capable of doing it, and even the magic bullet theory so much as, as, as it exists. And I think that's one of the hardest ones for most folks to get, and it's, I understand that was probably one of the, the harder aspects for you to buy into, which kind of led you into being uh, also a bit of a skeptic at the beginning before you really got into the documents. Uh how much time was involved with with gathering all the information required to effectively walk through and uh, make the case on your side on each of these uh, different aspects? Because this is a ton of work here. It was well over a year. It was about two years. I mean, it was well over a year of work. I mean, a full time every day going into uh, online uh, databases. Um, I've been to the National Archives four times and a variety of other uh, archives around the United States. But it was full time, and I had some people who helped me um, with searching and looking up stuff. And uh, uh, I did a lot of this on my daily blog. I mean, every day I decided to sort of debunk one element of the documentary series, and it got to be so much that people started emailing me saying, you should put this in a book, and that's what I did. But, uh, yeah, a lot of work went into this. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's pretty clear. Uh, somebody, I know people that have written entire books on individual aspects here, and it's still not as well documented as what you've done. Um, uh, your overall feelings, though, about how it is that the uh, the perception of Jim Garrison exists currently in relationship to the reality. Because, I mean, Oliver Stone turned Jim Garrison into this heroic figure. And, you know, if you watch the movie, he certainly seems like that. Uh, the real-life picture is much more akin to this feeling of trying to uh, to turn a gay businessman into a villain. 
uh, and basically destroyed uh, Clay Shaw's life in, in the process and reality, uh, where there, at least from a legal standpoint, never seemed to be enough there there, as the kids like to say today. Yeah, Jim Garrison was the uh, district attorney of New Orleans in the 1960s, and he prosecuted an innocent gay man for conspiring to kill Kennedy. And he had actually no evidence against Clay Shaw except the recovered memory of one witness who had been given sodium pentothal and then hypnotized three times. It was a completely made-up recovered memory. And of course, Clay Shaw was acquitted after two It took two years to go to trial. He was acquitted. And then Garrison charged him with perjury. And that took another two years for that to be quashed. Um, and then Clay Shaw sued Jim Garrison for $5 million in damages, but he died of lung cancer and the suit was dropped. It's an incredible miscarriage of, of American justice. And Jim Garrison also charged another person in California, uh, Edgar Eugene Bradley, who was a promoter of Christian radio. He charged Bradley with conspiring to kill Kennedy um, and eventually had to drop the charges there and apologize because there was no evidence against Bradley either. What, given the amount of time and research and the effort you put in here, what do you think was Jim Garrison's motivations in both of these cases? Uh, I think he, he got carried away with conspiracy fever. And, uh, in fact, early on in the case against Clay Shaw, his, his uh, attorneys at his office pleaded with him to stop this, just end this, drop the case. Um, you're a very successful prosecutor. You could probably go on to become governor or senator because um, he had higher political ambitions. Um, but he thought he was going to solve the crime of the century. He really believed it. He's a true believer, and he just wouldn't give up, and it just it ruined him, ruined his career, and he ruined the lives of many people in the process. Just a classic case of obsession, then. Uh, and if you watch, again, we're going back to the movie, because uh, sadly, as I already mentioned, that's where a lot of people currently, where their knowledge of the, the whole instance comes into play, there is a, a somewhat of a depiction of Jim Garrison's obsession to the case. It's just they play it out like the obsession was uh, positive because he ends up going out here and, and making this fantastic argument in court, which, of course, is all dramatized. But again, we need people uh, like you, Fred, who's out here and making sure that the information's available. It's ready. All you have to do is have the interest to look at it and the open-mindedness uh, to be open to this documentation. But I know you've faced a lot of the same kind of thing that I try to warn about on this show, too. So like I said, I'm a fan of a good conspiracy theory, especially if it's entertaining, as long as you can put it to the side and treat it uh, as what it should be. And that is uh, something fun to talk about but not necessarily the facts. And then you can delve into what is or isn't as you look at it. But we have this situation now where a lot of people, once they decide that they want to believe in a conspiracy theory, there's just no talking them out of it, no matter what, even to the point where you've been accused of being a CIA operative, right? 
Oh, yes. Almost every week somebody accuses me of being a CIA operative and I'm being paid by the CIA. And, uh, gee, I, I wish I was. I could use the checks. There's certainly nothing coming in. Um, it's, it's unfortunate. But I, I've had, in fact, the first time they accused me of being a CIA agent was back when I was 19 years old in, in the mid-70s after I wrote a small article in the States. Well, it's good to know that you've been... Uh an asset for as long as you have been then. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I have a special decoder ring, so that, that, uh, I can communicate with Langley. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, I, I was wondering where mine went to, so if you come across it by any chance. <laughs> um, I, I tell you, it is crazy, though. Uh, people just don't want to accept new information anymore. Uh, and, and this does seem like... Uh, it's it's been in our society for a while, and when I say that, I mean Western civilization in general, uh, where we've had small amounts of people do that. But the level of tribalism that it seems to have picked up, it seems to be kind of ingraining it to the point that people who you used to be able to have reasonable conversations with, and if you ended up disagreeing with on a particular topic you could reasonably and civilly disagree and kind of agree to disagree and move on we don't seem to live in those times anymore uh, have you gotten any backlash that was strong enough that you were concerned uh maybe uh, uh threats uh, veiled or not so veiled uh, people that just don't want to hear your facts and want to silence you in in the process well, I've had I had one very very concerning episode where somebody did buy my book, and went, then went to my Twitter profile and found out that I was a conservative, and just com returned the book and then went ballistic um, in emails, uh, saying that he was going to come after me, and so that was a bit concerning. But uh, that that uh, that's about as far as it goes. What does concern me more is the fact that a lot of people on the internet do not want to debate the issues they don't want to really discuss them once they find out my position you know i've been blocked from so many discussion boards on facebook just because i don't believe there was a conspiracy well i mean uh, that's certainly no fun it's just no fun at all uh, Fred. uh the conspiracy is the fun part but here's the sad uh, aspect about uh, you know i keep talking about fun because i do enjoy an entertaining conspiracy theory but at the end of the day, what we're talking about here is probably not something we should be having fun with. We're talking about the assassination of a sitting president, uh, a man who, for all intents and purposes, seemed to still be probably one of the last uniters to hold the office. Uh, he was able to reach yep. uh, people regardless of what political party because he was a pract pragmatist uh, first and foremost. Uh, in his approach to politics, he would reach out to, to people regardless, and he had a way of bringing folks uh, on board. And I think that's part of why the left kind of still see him as a hero. But in all honesty, I don't think J JFK could have been a member of the modern, current uh, Democratic Party. No, definitely not. A, I should add that, that, that the, you're right about conspiracy theories. Some, some of them are fun. This one, unfortunately, there's a lot of uh, people turn living people into villains. 
Um, the JFK assassination is littered with people. Like, like for instance, take um, Ruth and Michael Payne. Ruth Payne took in Marina Oswald um, as a boarder before the assassination in the goodness of her heart. And now you have conspiracy theorists who claim that she was CIA and and who hound her for answers about you know this and that and i can give you like around 15 different examples of people whose lives were affected negatively by conspiracy theorists in the jfk assassination yeah uh, and, and it really is a shame when you take the time to look at it um it's just really hard to get people focused and again it's really hard to get people to get engaged with fact finding as opposed to Hey, well, I, I'm going to learn everything I need to know from the uh, YouTube rabbit hole or, or some ridiculousness somewhere <laughs> on the dark web. But uh, that's also why I appreciate your book and appreciate you uh, taking the time to take some of those slings uh, and, you know, <laughs> duck the CIA while they're uh, simultaneously looking for you to make sure you can get your check and <laughs> that you're telling the right story. Uh, <laughs> uh, just off. Off topic real quick, there was one more thing that I kind of wanted to touch base with you. It's kind of been dominating sure. my show for the last few weeks, and that is the ridiculous response internationally. And we kind of knew it would happen, but now it's starting to rear its ugly head uh, in new and kind of scary ways, if you ask me. Uh, the rise of anti-Semitism since Hamas attacked Israel – um, we're seeing just all kinds of utterly disgusting displays from people that are supposed to be media, from college professors, uh, from students that claim to be sticking up for the little guy, and they don't seem to understand the reality of the situation there. And as harsh as that is, I'm curious, are you seeing the same kind of reactions in Canada, or is there any limitations at all as far as, given that you don't have the same levels of free speech when the government up there decides they're going to clamp down, has there been any efforts to try and slow the anti-Semitism that's been so ob obviously uh, demonstrated in public life, or, or is it worse up there? I think it's actually worse up here because while we don't have the uh, the complete freedom of, freedom of speech that you have, we do have a government here that actually just recently hired an anti-Semite to do racism training in Canada. Uh, the government seems to be blind to some of these issues about anti-Semitism, and so it's worse. Our universities, our public squares are full of uh, people who claim to be pro-Palestinian but are actually just hate Jews. They aren't pro-Palestinian. If they were pro-Palestinian, they would build libraries. They would actually do something positive. All they want to do is destroy Israel, and it's it's horrible. Yeah. If you're really pro-Palestinian, you would be some of the loudest voices being anti-Hamas, because uh, Hezbollah yes. is bad enough, but Hamas is probably the single worst entity right now that endangers Palestinian people. Uh, well, Fred, again, thank you so much for joining us. Before uh, you say goodbye for the evening, I want to give you a chance to make sure that you can let everybody know where to find the book, uh, where they can find all your work. Feel free to share any websites. And as long as you're inviting people to follow you on social media, feel free to share the uh, platforms and the handles. 
Well, people should go to my website, onthetrailofdelusion.com. That's one word, onthetrailofdelusion.com. You'll find my daily blog, which has a lot of information for, on all of this material. I've actually even put up all the sources for my book, for free, so you can actually get an electronic version and click on all the links. I've got pictures, I've got documents, um, all up on my website, and you can follow me, Fred Litwin, on Facebook and on Twitter. All right, Fred, thank you so much for joining us tonight. I do greatly appreciate it, and uh, Godspeed to you, sir. Keep up the great work, and hope we get a chance to talk again soon. Hopefully, I won't be nearly as tongue-tied the next time. I'm (laughs) normally not quite so bad. Thank you very much for having me, and uh, yeah, keep up the good work. Thank you, sir. Uh, God bless. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that was Fred Litwin. And, uh, of course, if you're listening to the podcast after the fact, I will have links in the show description to his website and to the books. In the meanwhile, uh, quick reminder, our friends over at Vanish Holster, they're waiting for you to go visit, see what they've got going on. If you need... A new comfortable holster, you might as well get one that will also save you money. They save you money by working with 99% of semi-automatic handguns. They'll hold two additional magazines so you're ready for a quick reload if you need it. And best of all, it's designed to work without the need of a tactical belt. So that also means that you've got some flexibility. You can shift it around. If one position is not working, you can carry in a different position. It's fantastic. But don't take my word for it. Go see for yourself. www.vnsh.com backslash T-A-P-P. Be sure to use the backslash T-A-P-P. Two reasons. Number one, it'll let them know I sent you. And number two, it'll automatically activate for you a $40 discount if you decide to make a purchase. Uh, Sounds like a win-win to me, but go see for yourself. www.vnsh.com backslash T-A-P-P. We'll be back in just a minute. This is Taya Shoemake from homeschoolreadyornot.com, and you're listening to Tim Tapp, Tap Into The Truth. Even with the current level of tyrannical oppression against we the people, there are still millions of Americans who don't give a darn. Hello, I'm Ron Edwards. On today's page from the Edwards Notebook, brought to you by Constitutional Grounds, the coffee you want in your cup. Sometimes I wonder if numerous misguided Americans don't care about the tragic unfolding of wicked government actions being waged against us because jackbooted government thugs aren't yet pounding on their front doors. Far too many today cannot seem to comprehend that government oppression does not start with gas chambers. It usually starts with one political party controlling the message, one party deciding what is truth, one party censoring speech and silencing political adversaries and locking up popular political opponents. 
one party dividing sovereign citizens into groups of us and them, while calling on rabid supporters to harass them. Government oppression gets started and into high gear when good people and those who think they are good turn a non-caring blind eye and let it happen. I'm Ron Edwards. Bye now. These stocks designed specifically for people who haven't started investing yet or don't know how to do it or haven't been trained how to do it or are worried about investing in the stock market that they've never done before. It's a robo-advisor system that really simplifies the investing process. The challenge we all have is that as you work and you grow in your career, you have to put something aside for yourself when you retire, around 65 years old. And the idea of Beanstalks is to simplify that whole process. In other words, put aside 10% of your salary each week, maybe just $100, and let it go to work in the stock market for you. And what Beanstalk does is basically automate that process for you. Easy to set up. You can transfer directly to your bank account and puts it into exchange-traded funds, which are baskets of many stocks, which gives you diversification. That's the whole key, the idea that you can have this done for you weekly or bi-monthly. But the most important thing is to start now and make it so that you are putting something aside for your own retirement. Beanstalks just makes it really simple to do. Constitutional Grounds, the hot air roasted coffee that produces a smoother, richer, healthier, and less acetic coffee. Our unique hot air roasted coffee has a most delicious taste that everyone is raving about. Because you want the best, Constitutional Grounds is the coffee you want in your cup. Simply go to BlueEdgeCoffeeCrafters.com and click on to the Constitutional Grounds coffee display to make your purchase and to be sure to use the RE10 promo code and you will receive a 10% discount. Remember... Constitutional Grounds, the coffee you want in your cup. Introducing Einstock. Drink. Conquer. Repeat. Einstock beer is a globally distributed, award-winning Icelandic craft beer. Einstock is created from the Icelandic water that flows from glaciers through lava fields and delivers some of the purest water on Earth. Knowing that beer is 95% water, we source the first and most vital ingredient from the local springs of a mountain that stands guard over the town of Akiari, just 60 miles south of the Arctic Circle. Einstock beer is crafted with locally sourced ingredients, and the brewery runs from 100% renewable energy sources, geothermal, and hydropower. Einstock has become the number one craft beer and also the number one alcohol export from Iceland. Here in the United States, you can find Einstock beer on the shelves at retail chains like ABC Fine Wine and Spirits, Bemmo. Cost Plus World Market, HEB in Texas, Kroger, Publix, Target, Total Wine, Trader Joe's, and Whole Foods, just to name a few. So won't you raise a glass and drink, conquer, repeat. 
When I invented my pillow, my passion was to help each and every one of you. And 20 years later, all of your support is what keeps us going. Because of you, we've been able to create thousands of USA jobs and help millions get the best sleep ever. To thank you, my employees and I are bringing you a limited edition my pillow. The Giza Elegance My Pillow is made with my patented adjustable fill, the most amazing cotton, and a two-inch pipe gusset. It has four custom loft levels, machine washable and dryable, and you get my 60-day money-back guarantee and 10-year warranty. Go to MyPillow.com and use promo code TAPP or call 1-800-659-9936. That's MyPillow.com with promo code TAPP. From all of us here at MyPillow, thanks for Hi, this is Matt Fitzgibbons at PatriotMusic.com. If you share my passion for the simple but timeless principles that made our republic great and you like rock music, check out my five albums and videos on American history at PatriotMusic.com. You say gun control is using both hands. I've got to be free the way God made men. And I won't be ruled by the damn U.N. Battle, author and speaker and media commentator, and you're listening to Tim Tap on Tapping the Truth. everybody welcome back to tonight's show uh, glad to have you hanging out with us it is friday it is the live show and it is now time to bring on our second guest of the evening uh he's been on a few times and i certainly appreciate it at this point especially starting to feel more like uh, a friend as opposed to just a guest uh, he is a award-winning author his two most recent of course uh Made in America by Americans, not Americans, and the unopened present. Uh, he is, of course, a native Texan, and he is ready to uh, come on board here and discuss multiple topics with us. So, with me continuing to uh, blather on, let's go ahead and bring on Richard V. Battle. Richard, thank you so much for uh, coming on with me tonight, especially on such short notice. I, I had somebody else lined up. They they were ready to commit, and then all of a sudden they had to back out last second, and you very, very aptly and graciously jumped right in, uh, and I appreciate that more than I can possibly express. Tim, it's great to be with you, and thank you so much for having us again. All right, let's jump into things. Uh, so much of my show recently has been focused on uh, the events going on over in the Middle East, the actions of Hamas, and then, of course, the predictable but still nonetheless disgusting reactions from the legacy media, the world of academia, both college professors and uh, 
the students as well who have literally been robbed of the ability to utilize critical thinking and have been indoctrinated into the notion of the left that it doesn't matter who you're attacking as long as you're tearing down a Western civilization. Uh, and so I haven't had a lot of ch opportunity to talk about other things. Now, that's been a choice of mine. And if you would like to opine about the Israeli – uh, Hamas situation and even more so Biden now apparently backtracking calling for a pause <laughs> as opposed to a ceasefire we can talk about that uh, I, I certainly have no problem with it as I've demonstrated but I would kind of like to get your take on at least a couple of topics before we do that because I haven't spent enough time in depth with them uh, number one uh, we we have spent a little time, of course, how could you not, talking about the uh, situation of changing the Speaker of the House and now that we have Mike Johnson, how things are playing out there. Uh, obviously, it started to look as if we weren't going to get a new Speaker of the House. Now, last time we did speak, we didn't have a Speaker, and we were talking about maybe some of the folks we'd like to have seen. And I got to tell you, I don't hate Mike Johnson as a choice, but he wasn't on my list anywhere. I didn't see that coming. How about you? Well, no, and uh, I do want to back up on the Israel situation, and I think one of the biggest shocks for the mainstream public was the amount of anti-Semitic protest on college campuses and throughout the country, and people, I think, were surprised when they looked into that to realize how many pro-Palestinian type people have been immigrated illegally into the United States since 2009, and a large, large number. And for Jewish people who vote predominantly Democrat to find out that their arch enemies are also pro-Democrat has driven a wedge into that party that's going to play out very interestingly in the next year or so. And so that, to me, was one of the most interesting things. And, of course, I'm totally against any kind of a pause uh, because that's been done before, and we know exactly what happened then and what would happen now. And so my two words for Israel is sick them. <laughs> I, well, that, that certainly sounds like the two most appropriate words. I, I like it, Richard. Uh, I mean, everybody. Yeah. every time I hear somebody talk about a ceasefire uh, – and I'm starting to hear other people say this now, too, uh, and so good for them. But there had been a ceasefire in effect. Uh, it was broken on October 7th. It was broken by Hamas. And then Hamas has broken every other rule of war since then in hiding behind their civilians, in keeping their civilians from moving forward. But one of the more drastic issues here is the fact that so many of their civilian population still strongly supports Hamas. They elected Hamas. Uh, they're not uh, the entire crowd of civilians isn't quite as innocent as you would think when it comes to talking about civilian populations and military targets. Now, again, I'm not trying to say that, well, well we shouldn't care. Uh, you should, but you need to keep everything in perspective. And there is nothing proportional and no moral equivalency between uh, violating boundaries and then mutilating people, raping people, beheading babies, uh, just all the inhumane things they took, and then 
Israel taking the steps to defend themselves and to take the steps to remove Hamas from the board. But you're right. The the most disgusting aspects to me, while it was, again, completely predictable, it seems so absurd that anybody can try to justify the actions of Hamas and pretend like, well, we're just being pro-Palestinian because in my mind, Richard, if you're truly and – and I said this with our last guest, but I'm going to keep saying it to anybody I haven't said it to yet, and that is if you're truly pro-Palestinian, then you by definition must be anti-Hamas because at this moment in time, there isn't a uh, entity that's more dangerous to the Palestinian people than Hamas. Well, yes, and the the smart Palestinians are coming out against Hamas right now because they recognize that. But the value of human life in the Arab world is so little. And I was indoctrinated in 1988 when Iran and Iraq were at war, and they would use their little children hand-in-hand to walk across and clear minefields because they believe those little children being killed were martyrs to Allah. And so that showed to me initially how little they cared about human life. And, of course, the PLO funds the terrorist families who die and gives them money for their relatives dying for Allah. And then here we have the U.S. government funding the PLO, which means we're indirectly funding those Hamas families and those martyrs. Uh, It is just beyond absurd some of the things we're doing to fight against Israel uh, indirectly as opposed to supporting them. Right. Yeah, I mean, something as simple as their desire right now. One of the things that they want to have these pauses for, and I hate them even using that term because whether they admit it or not, it's a short-term ceasefire. They just don't want to use the term ceasefire because it doesn't test well right now. They've done their focus group testing. Uh, how about standing on a principle for a change? But again, I digress. I know who we're talking about. <laughs> well, I think that Netanyahu's told them the only pause is between reloading. And that is how it should be. Uh, it is eye-opening, though, to see the way some of these people have reacted. And, and it is a good thing that a lot of people – uh, typical democratic voters are seeing <coughs> excuse me are seeing how this support of Hamas really plays out they're finally starting to learn that if we have a pause and we send fuel uh, to help alleviate the the struggling Palestinian refugees that they know that's immediately going to be taken by Hamas and it's going to be used to continue to power the generators that are keeping those tunnels operational so they can continue to hide from Israel and and just so much on the ground. But you're seeing these people slowly waking up, but there is still, and thankfully a very small amount, a very loud group of individuals that continue to go on and on. And there's when you hear somebody chanting something like "From the river to the sea, Palestine will be free." Uh, these people have no idea. Uh, most of them here in the states, what that actually means. That's a call for genocide, and not just against the Jewish people, but anybody presiding in the territory between the Jordan River and the sea. So that's all of Israel. 
that would also include Israeli Arabs, which there are a, a percentage much, much higher of Israeli Arabs than there are Jewish citizens anywhere else in the world. Uh, Israel's done so much to, to eliminate uh, – well, to mitigate against civilian casualties. They've done so much to try to peacefully coexist with their neighbors. And they continue to be painted by the bad guys at such a level of anti-Semitism. I, again, I, I have a hard time wrapping my mind around it. I, I understand it's there. I've had conversations with rabbis <laughs> on this show. We've discussed the uh, anti-Semitism that has slowly been rising here in certain parts of the country. Since Obama took office, there's been a steady uptick. But just as overwhelming, nearly 110% uptake since the start of October, year over year. How is it that we've managed to get so much hatred to, and so much anti-Semitism here in the United States? Uh, is there an answer that you've seen, Richard? Because I don't understand it. Well, and historically, American support for Israel has been bipartisan. Despite the fact that the Jewish people voted predominantly Democrat, uh, the Republicans supported Israel in equal or greater, number, greater numbers than the Democrats did. And again, I think starting in 2009, we had massive populations of Somalians imported into Minnesota, of other Arabs imported into Michigan, where they're strong enough to elect their own Congress people. And so it comes along with that, that if you're going to import uh, Arabs and Muslims into the country, you're going to end up with an increased amount of anti-Semitism that's going to, to come from that. And so I don't think we should be surprised about it. Uh, the question I have for the Jewish Democratic voters are, are you still going to vote Democrat? Uh, does this change your opinion? Uh, do you recognize now who is pro-Israel and who isn't? Uh, which president moved the embassy to Jerusalem despite others promising it for so many years? Uh, which government supported Israel? And yes, you're right. When I was in Jerusalem, one of the things that really surprised me was Arab and Jew walk side by side, work together. Uh, Jews work for Arabs. Arabs work for Jews. Uh, they get along almost as well as any other people do, despite those differences. And so that, to me, is one of the most overlooked things uh, in this whole situation. Yeah, the, this idea of a two-state solution, uh, Israel's offered that opportunity up multiple times. Uh, it's never been accepted by the other side, whether you're talking all the way back to the days of the PLO or uh, – now, currently, Hamas has had that as an opportunity. In fact, they essentially had the opportunity to, to run Gaza and to be a decent neighbor, and they would have been fine. There hasn't been an Israeli presence there since 2005. That, that's plenty of time between uh, 2005 to – what is it again? Remind me, Richard, 2023. That seems like enough time. If you wanted to, you could have done a lot of good for your people and built your state. Uh, Egypt. Well, yes. Can you imagine if you've been to Tel Aviv, it's a beautiful city on the Mediterranean, watching the sunset in the Mediterranean, it's a modern city, and here Gaza has Mediterranean frontage. Can you imagine what a developer like Donald Trump could have done with the Gaza Strip 
developing hotels and casinos and other type businesses and tourism if they would have just been more cordial to other people versus the way that they are. There's all kinds of opportunity in that area alone. Yeah. It could could be a shining jewel as opposed to a third world, barely there nation. Uh, along a similar vein, but uh, way closer to home, Richard, I, we had a group of Republicans that really, really seemed to be missing the point. There was an effort uh, brought forth in the House of Representatives to uh, censor Rashida Tlaib. Now, in my mind, given the actions of Rashida Tlaib since she first got into the House, let alone uh, her response to the October 7th massacre, um, she should probably be uh, booted out. You know, I, that it, that's just the way I feel. She's not fit to hold the office because she's not capable of honoring the oath of office. She can't do the job as it should be, holding so much animus against an ally of the United States. And I feel the same way about Ilhan Omar in regards to uh, her feelings towards working more for Somalia than she does for the United States and for her home district. But all that aside... Censor is literally the least that should have happened in this case. And we had a group of, what is it, about 22 Republicans that joined all of the Democrats. And while it's still unforgivable for the Democrats to vote against it, too, because they should know better, and there's enough Democrats that understand why this can't be allowed to go on, they're still going to vote for the party. Why would we have so many GOP members leave the party lines to protect from censor, which has no real lasting harm that's going to be done. Uh, Rashida Tlaib would use that to fundraise and become an even bigger star back in her home district. But it still should have been done at the, the very minimum that the House should do. Why did we have so many GOP folks abandon the party and side with Rashida Tlaib? Well, that is a great enigma, and I would love to know the answer. There's a, a congressman from close to where I'm at in Texas who I have a great deal of respect for. He's a principal conservative, and he voted against that. I would love to know what he's thinking, if there's some bigger play going on, uh, because I cannot believe that they did it on principle, believing that she should be there. And so if anyone deserved censure or expulsion, she would be it flying the Palestinian flag outside of her office, uh, doing everything she can to undermine our efforts with our ally. Israel's been our most trusted and loyal ally in the Middle East and enabled us to make progress there until this administration started uh, backtracking uh, with the relationships that were put together under the Abraham Accords. And this issue of October 7th, that drove a wedge between our discussions with Saudi Arabia for additional peace agreements. And so I can't understand why they did it. I would love to know that answer, but none of them have spoken about it that I know of yet. You see, that's part that really concerns me, because if they legitimately were thinking along the lines of what I was thinking, well, this is just going to help her to fundraise, and the Democrats will just call us bad names. Like, first of all, don't be afraid to be called a bad name. Do a better job of explaining why. 
because we have way too many folks out here that still uh, we have college students and high school students now uh, that they've been denied the opportunity to learn critical thinking and so they're just parroting and spewing things up there was a kind of a it would be funny if it wasn't so sad a uh, video that went viral showing this guy going around asking people to sign a petition to support uh, uh, <laughs> the Palestinian peoples the way the petition was worded and then before he allowed them to sign it he went down all of the points that you before you sign this though you need to understand you're agreeing with these uh, policy platforms and was talking about all the things that Hamas has done or things that are in the Hamas charter uh, like making homosexuality a uh, fence worthy of jail or capital uh, punishment, as in the death penalty. Uh, things like uh, women not allowed to go out in public without uh, a male escort uh, that's a father or brother uh, and not allowed to go out uh, without wearing the burqa and all these things. And all these college students, when they started figuring out what was really going on, it became pretty obvious they didn't support these uh, points, but they're still out there mimicking and they're still out there thinking that, oh, well, they're an oppressed people. And so that means automatically Israel must be wrong because Israel is the stronger. But anybody that takes the time to look at the history, it's so obvious. You don't have to be uh, pro-Zionism to not be anti-Semitic. And it, right now, unfortunately, anti-Zionism is being used as an excuse. And at the end of the day, this should be a matter of anti-terrorism. What these people did was horrific. The lack of value of humanity. It's a particular branch of Islam here that is so much a death cult that it is difficult for people here to understand, especially people on the left here in this country, because they don't understand the basics of a, if somebody has faith, that's why conservatives are so much better on this issue. If you understand people of faith, you understand that they mean what they tell you, but otherwise they just don't get it. Uh, Richard, thank you again for coming on last minute. Real quick, uh, remind everybody where they can find your work and let them know the websites. And as long as you're inviting people to follow you on social media, I'd be sure to throw out those platforms and those handles as well. Well, we appreciate that. RichardBattle.com is the website. Uh, all 10 books on that website are signed. And if you order for the holiday season and want a gift inscription, email me, Richard, at RichardBattle.com after your order. And I'm happy to inscribe uh, for those gifts. And all books are inspirational and motivational and very much pro-American. Uh, Amazon and other booksellers have them as well, including audio and Kindle versions. And we're on all social media, including at Richard V. Battle on Twitter or X or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> all right, Richard. I, I really do, again, appreciate everything you do. Uh, and I, I know we'll be getting together again sometime soon. Hopefully we can talk about some uh, some nicer topics. I know uh, as we go into the holiday season, we can use some of the kind of inspiration that uh, you normally handle. Thank you so much. Godspeed to you, sir, and uh, God bless. My pleasure. God bless America. Thank you, sir. All right, ladies and gentlemen, once again, that was Richard V. Battle. Uh, be sure to check the uh, show description and the podcast. Uh, otherwise, if you're just listening uh, to the live show, again, 
richardbattle.com is the best place to go. Don't go anywhere as we take a short break to reset the hour, catch a little news, you know, all the good stuff. And on the other side, we'll be joined by our friend, Becky Noble. You're listening to Tap Into The Truth. This is Tim Tap, host of Tap Into the Truth that you can hear every Friday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern on the K-Star Talk Radio Network, Liberty Talk FM, ZMA Radio, and the Vera Network. to the truth. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back as we slide headlong into hour number two of the Friday Night Live show here at Tap Into The Truth. And it is my distinct honor and pleasure to have with us for the uh, second hour tonight our friend journalist over at RedState.com. And, of course, she has her own sub-stack called Gumshoe Politics. We're talking about friend of the show, Miss Becky Noble. But before that... I have to remind you about our friends over at Four Patriots. Uh, you know, I, I meant to do the Four Patriots bit before we talked to uh, Richard uh, in the last hour, but I'd waited a little too long, so I had to, to put it off, and then we got too far into the conversation. I didn't have time. So always remember, our friends over at Four Patriots are there for when things go sideways. So when they do, you need to be prepared. Some people are concerned they might have to go for a long time without electricity or even food, and that's why I enjoy trying to introduce as many people as possible to our friends over at Four Patriots. They give you the opportunity to get preparedness products that you can use now and that could literally save your life later. Now, it doesn't matter if you need electricity backup. It doesn't matter if you need to make sure that you have the survival food kits or water purification, gardening, uh, seeds, all kinds of awesome preparedness stuff. And you won't believe what all is available until you go see for yourself. 
So all I'm asking you to do is visit our friends over at Four Patriots by going to a special page that I've had them set up for you that shows listeners of this show all the special week's discounts and deals uh, before those deals go away. You do that by going to fourpatriots.com backslash T-A-P-P. Remember, go to fourpatriots.com backslash T-A-P-P. But hurry, the deals that are there won't last long. Sometimes the prices have to go back up. Sometimes they sell out. Either way, don't get caught not prepared. That's the number four patriots.com backslash t-a-p-p now with all that out of the way welcome to the show becky noble becky thank you so much for joining us tonight uh how are you doing i'm good tim thanks so much for having me on i'm doing really good how about you well uh, you know it's friday night we're going into a weekend uh the weather is warming back up here uh, been a little chilly the last few days so all in all i don't have too many things to to not be happy about i was a little <laughs> ill back at the beginning of the week and it uh, got pretty serious but i'm bouncing back i'm feeling pretty good so uh <laughs> glad well, to be good. here that's good yeah yeah i know it's it's been a little chilly here in st louis too but it's i think we're gonna warm up within the next few days, maybe get up to about, you know, around 70 degrees or so. So I'll take that. And I was, I was in Cleveland earlier this week visiting my best girlfriend and uh, on Wednesday morning when I woke up to come home, uh, they had gotten snow on the grass and it was just enough to cover the grass. But I kind of looked out the window and went, what? (laughs) (laughs) So it was pretty chilly up there too, but it was thankfully once I got home, hit the ground here, it was a little bit warmer, but so I, I've been out of the been out of the loop a little bit, you know, since about Wednesday. But I've been I've been trying to, you know, it's like cramming for a test. You know, you try to try to look at as much as you can and see what's going on, and you know, so I've been kind of doing that. But uh, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, one of the things that I wanted to talk to you about, and of course, you know, I had reached out to you before you were going out of town, uh, and mm-hmm. I had my eyes set on. Uh, your October 25th piece uh, talking about trans age. And and I want to talk to you a little bit about that uh, here in the first segment uh, while you're here. And then we'll kind of transition into, because I can't help myself, even when I try, I keep (laughs) going back to the Israeli Hamas thing and how our governments and media and everybody is reacting to it. But uh, let's start with what is clearly the more, uh, at this point, still significant for the culture war, but a little bit lighter topic fare. Uh, it's, it is something that a lot of conservatives had talked about from the very beginning. When you start allowing the notion, the theory of transgenderism, and you take it to its fullest extent, you're going to start seeing people who identify as anything. And, and if you allow to let somebody just decide, well, I may be a... 34-year-old white male, but I identify as an Apache attack helicopter, and you should accept <laughs> that. Uh, it's, it's going to it's lead to all crazy. kinds of wackiness, and and that's kind of the thing we're seeing here, right? It is. It is. It, it, there's, there, well, obviously there's there's a number of, of things that are wrong with it, but yeah, I saw this story. Um, this, is, this was from uh, Rebel News, which is a, a Canadian website. So you know that if it's happening in Canada, 
sooner or later it's gonna it's gonna slide you know across the northern border and um, this was a uh, swim competition that that most of the teams in this sw- swimming competition were 13 and 14 year old girls and they were allowing a 50 year old man who apparently identifies as a 14 year old girl to compete with these girls in the swim competition and the sad part was that a lot of the parents didn't want to speak up. They were afraid to speak up because, you know, we've all seen what happens when people speak up and speak out against cancel culture. The cancel culture comes after you. And, uh, you know, so it, it's I, I couldn't believe it when I saw it. You know, I mean, it's funny because, you know, if you remember how many years ago with uh, Rachel Dolezal and she was the. Uh, NAACP president out in Washington state and come to find out she wasn't really black, you know, but she then she decided that she identified as black. I mean, it's where does it end? You know, I mean, if you can change your gender, you can change your race. I mean, what what else are you going to be able to change? You know, and I think if you if you couple all of this, this transgenderism that that is essentially erasing girls and women. They're, they're erasing anything in American society or even Western society, for that matter, that, that is traditionally female and, and female-oriented. And I just saw a story uh, earlier this evening about uh, a school in New Jersey where there are uh, AI images, uh, artificial intelligence images, of nude photos of, of girls in the school being passed around and you know when the girls and the parents go to the school administration to try to tell them what's going on and what's happening and apparently they they think they have an idea of who's doing this nobody's listening to them what i mean that we're at a point now i feel like where women don't count women and girls just don't count it's it's whatever people you know what what whatever you feel you are what are or whatever you identify as and i just you know, I think we're, we're at a point where you have to ask the question, where do you draw the line? You know, do you is, is it OK to think you're female when you're a male? Is it OK to think you're black when you're not black? I mean, it's it's ridiculous. The whole thing is just getting out of control. Yeah. Well, you know, the amazing part of this whole conversation to me has always been uh, a lot of folks that lean to the left a little bit and who typically vote Democrat, they're okay with all this until it hits their particular community. Exactly. Until it's an issue. I know a lot of uh, uh, black Americans didn't have a problem with identifying differently until uh, Rachel came along. And, and I'm glad you actually used right. that example in the piece you wrote because uh, of course we covered uh, the entire drama uh, in, in its perpetuity with uh, that whole scenario. But even before uh, Rachel Dozell came along, uh, I had multiple conversations with folks talking about what happens once we get to the point where uh, I identify as – uh, a 21-year-old so I can go buy that beer. It doesn't matter that my ID says I'm 16. I'm tw- I identify as 21. What happens when a uh, 50-year-old identifies as a 16-year-old so they can go back to high school instead of having to have a job? And we were told then that, oh, that's just ridiculous. Uh, that's never going to happen. 
this is uh, you're just making fun of this. But we knew instinctively then, and I'm I'm sure I can speak for you on this as well that. We saw this as the camel's nose under the tent, and even though they're going to tell us, no, that would never happen, we know that's part of what they want to happen because it is part of a designed effort to tear down Western civilization uh, for no other reason than the fact that uh, they don't want to live under the constraints of a morally rational people. Right. And you know that you, you bring up the good point because, you know, how, how many of us when we were younger and, and more foolish uh, tried to identify as 21 years old when we weren't? You know, I, I, I can't lie. I, I did it myself. But but, yeah, that's really a good example of how far back it goes. And, you know, the, the other thing about this this Canadian story was that no one could seem to find out whether or not this 50 year old person who was saying he was a 14-year-old girl, no one could find out whether or not he was being allowed in the locker room to change with these girls. Because it's one thing for for this person to say, oh, I'm a 50-year-old man, but I'm identifying as a 14-year-old girl, and people can go, okay, what a kook, and, and move on with their lives. But when that person decides that they identify to the point where they think they should be let in a locker room into a changing room with 14-year-old girls, that's a whole nother thing. That's a game changer. And said no, no one could seem to find out. There were there were no official officials who were, you know, from, from uh, either one of the two. There was two major uh, entities in Canada that you know regulate uh, swimming competitions among that age group and. There were no officials from either one of these two entities that that were, quote unquote, available to, you know, answer any questions like, is this person allowed in the locker room with these girls? And uh, so that was also another interesting part of, of the, the whole story. So, you know, it, 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 it you have to ask, I mean, it, it's, you know, I, we're, t- we're talking about pedophilia here, basically, if that's what's going on and that's that's that. that there is some sort of normalization that that is is being attempted here and you know i i pray that there are you know there there are enough rational people that that will say okay no 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 this is you you've crossed the line here you've jumped the shark this is not right and this is where it ends right here right now but you know we'll see because uh you know obviously in in cases like riley Gaines, you know the the biological male, males were being let in the, the locker room with with the females. So, you know, the, and and those those were college age women. But again, where is it going to stop? Where are they? Where how? Where are they going to draw the line? How far are they willing to let it go? Uh, it's it kind of depends on who you're asking. We we know that there's a large number right. of folks on the left that claim that there shouldn't be a line. Obviously, they're not right. going to draw it. Until it shows up at their house. They're going to be the folks at Martha's Vineyard talking about how great uh, having an open border (laughs) is until all of a sudden brown and black people start showing up in the neighborhood and they're not working Uh in their gardens. (laughs) It's like, oh, no. They're not cutting cutting the grass or uh, cooking their meals, right? Yeah. But, uh, you know, you mentioned pedophilia, which in this case certainly seems like there is at least that angle to it. 
there is some type of kink in play. Otherwise, why would a 50-year-old want to be competing with it? Forget the transgender aspect, but, you know, we've been seen for better than a decade, and it's really picked up speed in the last five years or so, a a legitimate effort to try and normalize pedophilia. We've seen the UN do it. In fact, I did a show not too long ago talking about a renewed effort from the UN uh, doing exactly that. We've seen everything from the TED Talks to all these pushes from uh, left-leaning folks where they're talking about how it should just be another uh, just another way people live. You know, you, you've got the, the straights, you've got the gays, and then pedophilia. It's just, another, uh, it's just another type of sexuality, and we should stop demonizing them. It's like... Uh, I can understand if you have some type of mental defect that you should be getting help with. But when you start acting on those things, you have entered the realm of criminality. And I'm afraid, especially on the side of the left these days, and it pains me to even have to say this, but we've seen almost a Munchauser by proxy syndrome with the parents wanting – pushing their children into transgenderism where – it seems like they want to put children in harm's way, not because uh, their children aren't dear to them, but because they're so dedicated to the cause and, and the philosophy that they're no longer connected to their children like parents should be, uh, or at least it feels like that, and, and it seems to be growing. Obviously not in every case, and thank God in places like Virginia, people that typically vote Democrat – decided to turn the state red because of how they were treating their children in schools there and still are, by the way, uh, despite the best efforts of uh, Youngkin and company to to clean that up once they knew what was going on. But is is that just me or do you see the same kind of thing where there seems to be a, a major disconnect in just the connection between parent and child that should exist among larger and larger numbers of people that lean to the left? I think so. I think you're right. I think I think there is such a, a dedication to the ideology that they just they, they can't help themselves. And, you know, whenever I'm, you know, watching TV and they they will, uh, especially here in St. Louis um, at Washington University and St. Louis Children's Hospital for a while uh, back in February, we had uh, there was a. Uh, woman who was a whistleblower and was talking about some of the things that was go- that were going on at the transgender clinic that was run by Washington University at uh, St. Louis Children's Hospital but um, you know so when you when you watch parents when they when they interview parents of transgender kids on TV I just I can't I'm not a parent but I cannot wrap my head around how that's not child abuse how mutilate willingly you know, going along with mutilating your child, mutilating your child's body is somehow good for them. I just, you know, I I think part of it, too, is I saw not too long ago, oh, maybe a month or so ago, and, and I can't, it was an Ivy League school. I can't remember which one it was, but they took a poll, and there was like 40% of the students that were polled claimed to be transgender. Now, that says to me, that's 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 a fad. That's something that people are doing because they think it's cool, you know, uh, like, you know, like uh, wearing a mood ring, you know. I mean, they're doing it because yes. it's cool. And uh, there is absolutely a, a huge uh, aspect of mental illness in this as well. 
if I'm a parent of a child who comes to me and says that they think that they're uh, that they really should be the opposite sex of what they are, my first thought is not going to be to mutilate their body. My first thought is going to be to get them some mental help. And right. I just, I, 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 like I said, I can't wrap my head around people who who are completely willing to to mutilate the the body of their child all in the name of this ideology it's it's really mind-boggling really is yeah i mean it is sad when you see some of these parents that are so gun-ho about it but it's tragic when you see some of the parents who've went along with it because they've been bullied into it or they've been convinced oh your child's going to commit suicide if you don't uh, affirm them and support this and let us do this uh, a lot of these, this new level of uh, surgical mutilation and chemical castration that's been put upon, uh, some in some cases, children that have not began puberty yet, uh, right. it has a lot to do with dollar signs. So there's a lot of greed here that the medical oh. profession has moved away from the Hippocratic Oath uh, to the uh, I want to be as rich as I can be oath because they know that once you start down these paths, once you start taking these hormone treatments, once you start taking uh, these uh, chemicals that are designed literally to be a form of chemical castration that's been used for sex offenders that won't stop reoffending. And you start going in and mutilating, removing body parts, uh, creating open wounds to try to replicate body parts of the opposite sex. They know that once you start that, you're going to be a lifelong customer to either maintain or in an effort to try and reverse later because there's not going to be a simple solution after puberty should have stopped. They've been selling this lie that, oh, yeah, that's uh, completely reversible, and, and all you have to do to go through puberty normally is just to just stop taking the puberty blockers. And most of them knew that wasn't true from the jump, but they still sold it. And the detransitioning crowd is, is really going to be a growing number uh, as more and more of these teens that have fallen victim to the social contagion that's been partially the result of, like you said, uh, uh, it's just cool to be part of one of these groups. And then other folks that have felt like, well, I need to be part of a group that's not an oppressor. I don't want to be an oppressor. You're either oppressed yeah. or an oppressor. I don't want to be an oppressor. So what do I do? I'm white. What can I do to not be an oppressor? Because they've been robbed of their ability for critical thinking and they've been indoctrinated. Exactly. And then you have these parents that are so afraid because they're given these stats about suicides. And the, right. the truth of the matter is that when you look at uh, children that legitimately suffer from gender dysphoria, close to 90% of them just simply outgrow the gender dysphoria by the time they're done with puberty. They just come right. – they don't even require uh, a great deal of therapy. The, the surgeries right. do right. no good, and yet nobody it, wants to talk yeah, about that. No, you're right. And it's, it's, you know, it's, it's becoming an industry and it's becoming a billion dollar industry. That's what the most sick and disturbing part of it is. You know, I mean, I can remember being myself being, being in grade school and I, I wanted army men for Christmas. So I'm glad that, you know, my parents decided that it was just a phase I was going through and, you know, let me play with the army men until I was bored with them, you know, but, uh, 
the other thing about it too about the whole uh you know males in 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 female sports is where are liberal women on this where are the women who from the late 60s and early 70s onward have been fighting for the rights of women to to do things like compete in sports and do it on an on a level equal playing field where their their sports programs are getting the same amount of funding at colleges and universities and 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 things like that but where are all the women who have fought for women's rights they're all very very quiet and that's that's also disturbing it's equal there's 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 just so much that's disturbing about all of this all the way around and there doesn't seem to be an end end in sight that's that's yet another disturbing thing about it yeah well you know the the women who have come out and said stuff they're immediately uh, exiled from the uh, leftist oh, island yeah. they're they're called turfs uh the right. harry potter author has been heavily criticized for this because she's a feminist and as an actual feminist she's like well a man can't suddenly become a woman and yet it would appear if you look at our popular media uh, sources that um, men are the best women (laughs) who's the most brave who's the most daring (laughs) go ahead yeah apparently yeah (laughs) it's I don't know. It, it's uh, like I said. It's it's there doesn't seem to be an end in sight. I think we all keep waiting for for the one at at that certain point where somebody, even somebody who's pretty far left, is going to go. Okay, yeah, that's way too much for me. But but they're not. They're not. And you know, maybe maybe the uh, the the backlash will come next year at election time. We we can only hope. You know. Yeah, I, I guess we will see, and uh, we can touch on that a little bit along with our uh, uh, other topics because I think it kind of plays in with our next topic. Uh, but uh, it is time for us to move towards a break. Before we take that uh, mid-hour break, though, need to uh, remind you guys that right now uh, the bond markets are looking pretty scary, looking like they might crash. Uh, in U.S. history, when uh, these things happen, the bond markets melt down, the – stock market crashes, things like this happen, your best bet is to have moved your wealth into gold, silver, or other precious metals. So here's what I would recommend. Give a call to my gold company, Harvard Gold Group. They are a BBB-approved, five-star rating across the board company. They make it easy to buy and easy to sell if you're looking to do that as well. Uh, They've got a low price guarantee and up to $15,000 worth of free promotional gold and silver on qualifying uh, purchases. So just give them a call for their free investor's guide today, whether you want to protect your retirement accounts or if you want to have gold in hand. Call Harvard Gold Group right now at 844-977-GOLD. That's 844-977-4653. Be sure to mention TAPP when it comes time to mention that promo code. Or <clears throat> you can give them a quick visit at harvardgoldgroup.com. Do the same thing. Let them know that I'm the one that sent you. And that will qualify you for an additional 200. And, Doug's making fun of me because I had a frog in my throat there for a second. Uh, they will qualify you for an additional $250 in free gold or silver on top of the other promotions 
with a qualifying purchase. But all you're doing right now is calling to get that free guide. Uh, do it now. Don't wait. Bidenomics is in full effect. The dollar is desperately trying to stay uh, a relevant thing. Uh, get some gold while you still can afford to buy it with a dollar. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Becky Noble. You can find me at gumshoepolitics.substack.com and at redstate.com. You're listening to Tim Tap and Tap in the Truth. you know that the only bird in the world that dares to attack an eagle is a crow? Hello, I'm Ron Edwards. On today's page from the Edwards Notebook brought to you by Constitutional Grounds, the coffee you want in your cup. The crow, unprovoked, will attack eagles without cause by sitting on the eagle's back and pecking at its neck. However, the eagle does not respond, fight, or waste any energy on that crow. Instead, the eagle opens its wings and begins to soar as high as possible. The higher the eagle flies, the more difficult it becomes for the crow to breathe. Eventually, the crow falls due to a lack of oxygen. In light of this, here's some advice. Let's stop wasting time with crows. Let's continue our flight to the heights, and crows will fall by themselves. We will keep on flying to higher heights, and the crows will no longer be a nuisance. Excelsior, which means onward and upward. I'm Ron Edwards. Join me live Monday through Friday, 3 p.m. Eastern, 12 Pacific, to find out where. Go to at the Edwards Notebook via Truth Social. The second goal is a protective headgear company with a patented line of impact-reducing products. At Second Skull, we focus on head protection as our only priority so that we can be the absolute best at it. With an estimated 2.8 million Americans sustaining a traumatic brain injury each year, there have been recent declines in athletic participation levels. We believe that concerns and fears of head injuries are factors contributing to these declines in activity levels. Second Skull has protection for every sport and for every athlete. Our product line of thin, lightweight, breathable, and practical solutions are each tested at independent and accredited laboratories. These products are patented and proven. Constitutional Grounds, the hot air roasted coffee that produces a smoother, richer, healthier, and less acetic coffee. Our unique hot air roasted coffee has a most delicious taste that everyone is raving about. Because you want the best, Constitutional Grounds is the coffee you want in your cup. Simply go to BlueRidgeCoffeeCrafters.com and click on to the Constitutional Grounds coffee display to make your purchase and to be sure to use the RE10 promo code and you will receive a 10% discount. Remember... Constitutional Grounds, the coffee you want in your cup. Hello, my name is Tyler Boone, singer-songwriter and founder of the award-winning Homegrown Boone's Bourbon label out of Charleston, South Carolina. In just four years, Boone's Bourbon has been awarded some incredible awards, such as the Platinum Los Angeles, Double Gold New York, 
Gold Las Vegas, Silver Denver, and also named top six in the world in Forbes. We're also being featured in Rolling Stone magazine, Billboard magazine, American Songwriter, and we're also now available in 24 states all across the country. So Boone's Bourbon is a high-proof, cash-strength bourbon at 117 proof. We are 75 corn, 21 rye, 4 barley, and at our price point, we're beating the competition at $40 in the retail stores. Boone's Bourbon is a family-owned business out of Charleston, South Carolina with my father, Mick Boone. Cheers, and we hope to see you soon. Hey, Jared, what's up? Well, my company gave me this Pride T-shirt. They say i got to wear it to celebrate the LGBTQ. That's not really my thing, and, well, I sure as hell don't want to promote it. Yeah, I can understand that. What are you going to do? I don't know. I'm just tired of all this woke bullshit. I mean, I've worked 20 years for this company. Well, they've been great until they started all this crap. I just want a job where I'm not forced to support all this nonsense. Yep, I hear you. I'm Andrew Krabschett, CEO of RedBalloon.Work, America's woke-free job board. We connect good employees with great companies without all that woke bullshit. So if you're an employee who's tired of all the nonsense, then put your resume on Red Balloon. And if you're an employer looking for hardworking, reliable job seekers, then post your open jobs at redballoon.work. I'm Andrew Krabschett. Wait, no, it's okay, guys. That's just my last name. I'm Andrew Krabschett from redballoon.work. Check us out today. Hi, this is Matt Fitzgibbons at PatriotMusic.com. If you share my passion for the simple but timeless principles that made our republic great and you like rock music, check out my five albums and videos on American history at PatriotMusic.com. You say gun control is using both hands. I've got to be free the way God made men. And I won't be ruled by the damn U.N. You're listening to Tap Into The Truth. This is Matt Fitzgibbons. This is Amy Hallam. This is AZ. Sharing the night together. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are indeed sharing Friday night together, and so glad to have you along for the ride. Thank you so much for joining us, whether you're listening in WCET-FM in beautiful Columbia, South Carolina, or if you're listening over at thelastfrequency.com, maybe you're tuned into the K-Star Talk Radio Network, maybe you're listening at Liberty Talk FM, or possibly even over at ZMA Radio, regardless Thank you for being here. And beyond that, anybody who's listening to the podcast later, thank you too. You didn't have to listen, but you did, and I appreciate it. Before we get started up again with Becky Noble, who has joined us for the second hour tonight, I want to remind you once again about our friends over at Vanish Holster. Look, things are getting nuts out there, right? Here's the deal. At some point, you may very well be in that situation where you have to either defend yourself, your family, your friends, your neighbors, maybe even just your property. And yes, it's okay to defend your property, regardless of what the left will tell you. Here's the thing. If you're like me, so again, this is not me pointing a finger at you, but pointing a finger back at me because I've done this. You've been all gun ho You're ready to... to carry your gun and you're happy about it because you know you're a a red-blooded american and you're ready to exercise your god-given constitutionally protected right to defend yourself 
but you end up getting a holster that you thought would be really, really awesome, but turns out it just doesn't really work. It's kind of uncomfortable, and it's so uncomfortable that you just kind of stop carrying. Well, then what happens if you're in that situation I was talking about? Well, you're at a horrible disadvantage. Especially if you're like me, you know, getting up there a little bit in years, not in the greatest of shape, uh, and you're looking at uh, some 23-year-old somebody who, a former high school athlete who just got into bad actions, uh, what chance do you have, right? You need the equalizer. Okay, I sound like I'm promoting gun violence right now. That's not the point. I'm promoting your ability to face a bad situation and survive to tell about it. The point is, don't let comfort be an issue. You need to make sure that you have your firearm ready, and that's where Vanish Holster comes in. They are, according to thousands of their customers, the most comfortable holster period. In fact, uh, thousands of those same customers will tell you if you start using a Vanish Holster, you won't stop. Plus, Vanish is designed to save you money. They're designed to work with 99% of semi-automatic handguns. They're designed to carry two additional magazines. They're designed to work without a tactical belt. All these things equal saving you money, especially in some cases, maybe even money you weren't thinking about when you picked out your holster. Look, I can go on and on because I really, really like the product, but at the end of the day, it's what you think. And the only way that you're going to be able to see for yourself is to give them a visit. So go to www.vnsh.com backslash T-A-P-P. Very important to include the backslash T-A-P-P. Two reasons. Number one, eh, that's how they know I sent you. But more importantly for you, it also automatically activates a $40 discount for you if you decide to make a purchase. Also, they have asked me to continue to remind you that there will be a price increase before the end of the year. They've held on as long as they could. They can't help it. So they would love for you, as much as I would love for you, to take advantage of the prices before they do go up. Uh, Get some extra buying power out of those uh, dollars that Biden continues to inflate and uh, devalue. One more time, that's www.vnsh.com backslash T-A-P-P. And now... Let's welcome back RedState.com journalist and gumshoe politics at Substack author, ladies and gentlemen, Miss Becky Noble. Becky, uh, again, thank you so much for being here. Before we get into this next topic, and so we don't have to try and squeeze it in at the end, let everybody know where they can find your work, and feel free to share uh, any additional websites you might want to share as as well as – uh, social media platforms and handles where you invite people to follow you? Well, I am on Facebook at, at Becky Noble, and I'm on Twitter or X or whatever it is they're calling it these days, uh, at Becky Noble 65 and, of course, at RedState.com. And my Substack page is gumshoepolitics.substack.com, and that's where you can find me. All right. And I highly recommend for all you folks out there, if you haven't already, follow Becky. She's a great follow, and she does a lot of great work. Uh, Wanted to talk to you next, and we'll probably springboard uh, much like we did uh, in the first uh, half hour uh, from this. But uh, your piece you put up today over at Red State, where 
you're reminding Americans something that we've all kind of been warning them about for a while, the dangers of a wide open southern border and knowing that there are people coming across it that are other than Mexican, which is an actual uh, <laughs> designation. Yes, it is. OTM. Yeah, I talked about last week how there has been a conscious decision by the Biden administration for a while now to have anybody from the West Bank or from Gaza to be designated as anything other than Palestinian, too. Uh, They don't want you to know how many potential members of Hamas or Hezbollah or the Palestinian liberation uh, (laughs) jihadist group might actually be here already, but – uh, you were telling the story about a Jordanian uh, that's in Houston. Uh, give the listeners some background about this story. Well, um, you know, like like you just said, you know, we've been trying to warn uh, about the dangers of a wide open border. And uh, this is someone who really didn't take advantage of that. He's done it legally through the visa system. How How familiar does that sound? Weren't there about 19 guys about 20 years ago who did the very same thing? But, um, yeah, this is uh, – happened uh, last month in October. Um, there was a young man who was 20 years old, and he was arrested by the FBI in Houston. Uh, apparently, he was uh, planning attacks on the Jewish community there in Houston. And uh, he was – he came into the country – he's been here since 2019, and he came in on a non-immigrant visa – uh, not sure what that is, if that that maybe pertains to somebody who is, you know, going to be a student or something. I'm not sure, but that's how he came into the country. And um, when that expired, he uh, applied for asylum, and uh, he is remaining here on on some some other sort of, I don't remember now what, what it was, um, another, another visa that does not... Will, does not expire until 2025. So he has plenty of time to do whatever it is he wants to do. But um, he was caught with uh, possessing firearms, which if you are someone who comes into the country on a non-immigrant visa, it is illegal for you to possess a firearm. Uh, so they were able to arrest him just based on that firearm charge. And uh that is allowing prosecutors to hold him without bail, um, and they can continue to investigate any ties he might have or anything of that nature. Um, you know, he was spotted at, at several gun ranges. Uh, it's it, either, either they don't know yet because the investigation is still ongoing, or it could be that the FBI does know and they're just not saying. We're not sure whether or not, it, you know, it was just this one guy, if he's a lone wolf, or was did he have some buddies who were pl- planning on helping him? That that part is unknown. But uh, there was some video footage that surfaced. Uh, I guess the FBI obtained that um, there were two individuals that were at a gun range with him, and he was shooting at targets that were human silhouettes. And uh, they were congratulating him, I guess, on what a good shot he was, and uh, you know. Uh, they, they've also uh, they've they've seen some some social media posts that he's posted about uh, wanting to kill Jews, uh, wanting to go to Gaza to fight there, and uh, you know so they've they've apprehended this one person. But uh, you know the point is is that um, 
you know, how, how many other, how many, he's one guy, how many, how many other guys are out there like him? And uh, part of what I put in my piece today was that um, FBI director Christopher Ray he was uh, testifying um, in front of a Senate committee, and that um, during fiscal year 2023, I think, believe, which just ended on October the 1st, uh, there was something like 23,000 known gotaways that people that, that, that were not apprehended or not not documented by the border patrol and it roughly when you when you did the math it came out to about a thousand people a day that have come across the southern border and have just gone under the radar of border patrol and and any other law enforcement but this guy didn't even do that he like i said he he came into the country legally so while while yes the border is a mess and and there's certainly people with uh terrorist desires that are no doubt coming in on the southern border there's also still people who are doing it legally and you know we need to pay attention to that as well right i mean somebody might hear that he was a jordan national and think well you know there's nothing going on in jordan say i'm sorry that's pretty much one of the hot spots for hezbollah and their operation uh they took over lebanon a while back and becky i I'm not going to presume your age, but I'm assuming you're somewhere close to the same age group that I am. So you're probably old <laughs> enough to remember when Lebanon was a predominantly Christian nation. Uh, Hezbollah came right. in and ended that. But Jordan has a significant Hezbollah presence as well. Uh, that's right. part of the operations they have going on. So this guy, even if he's not an actual member of Hezbollah, he's undoubtedly grown up uh, in his formative years under their influence uh, they're not exactly nice people and as you said right. there's no telling how many people he's hooked up with here if, if his plans were lone wolf and again despite the fact that christopher ray in that same testimony acknowledged that because of the his israeli hamas war they expect uh, more attacks uh, copycat type attacks and that americans will be targeted right. here in the united states those estimates that they give as far as gotaways, we know that there's low-ball estimates. They're admitting oh, a ridiculous – yeah. yeah. They're admitting a ridiculously high number, but we know that they're trying to paint a picture that's much, much nicer than the reality. Otherwise, they have a lot of explaining to do, and the only good thing that's come of – uh, this situation with the Israeli-Hamas war, as far as American politics is concerned, is some Democrats are now having to try and square the circle. How can you be both pro-Palestinian, a.k.a. pro-Hamas, and pro-Israel when there is a good number of Democrats who actually are still pretty pro-Israeli and they're not going to support this obvious terrorist organization, and yet you have a a small minority, but still a very loud minority uh, that seems to be driving now the Biden administration towards what they're calling uh, humanitarian pauses. Uh, I talked a little bit about that with Richard earlier in the first hour, and I definitely wanted to discuss that with you, too, because now we have the guy who's supposed to be the sitting president of the United States basically talking about short term ceasefires long enough to let. Hamas refueled and load back up, wants us to send them the supplies they need because we know 
despite whatever they want to say, whatever we send, Hamas is going to take whatever parts they want, including fuel, to keep those tunnels operational. What type of uh, reactions are you seeing from your journalistic side and as you're researching uh, to the general uh, acknowledgement here? Because you do have – I'm seeing it. I know a lot of Democrats that are kind of splitting – uh, through the party, there seems to be a real rift forming on this issue. Uh, are you seeing that too? I do. I do. I think that, um, yeah, there, you're right. I think that there are a lot of Democrats who, as we get closer and closer to the election and, and the longer that this conflict goes on, you're going to see them trying to twist themselves into pretzels like you've never seen anybody do it before. And I I think that a lot of what's going on here is that, and, and at least I've seen, you know, several people reporting on it, is that um, the Biden people are pretty worried about what may happen in Michigan. And, you know, because we know just, you know, if you look at any polls, you know, whether or not, you know, at, at this point you can read a whole lot into polls, it, it might just be way too early or, you know, maybe they don't know what they're talking about, but, but. You know, the the race right now, if it if it ends up being Donald Trump and Joe Biden is neck and neck. And the word on the street, I think, is that the Democrats are pretty worried about what may may or may not go on in Michigan, because, you know, we all know that there's a large Arab community in Michigan. And I think that there has been some talk that if, uh, you know, if, if Joe Biden does not do what what this large Arab community expects him to do, that that. The Democrats may lose some votes. And so, you know, as as sick and twisted as it sounds to be more worried about votes than to be worried about people's lives in Israel and maybe not just in Israel, but maybe maybe innocent, innocent Palestinians in Gaza as well, that, you know, they're more worried about those votes than they are human lives. And, uh, you know, it's it's gonna like I said, it's going to be very interesting to see where the, the crossroads ends up being between the closer it gets towards election time versus the longer this this war goes on. And, uh, yeah, I think you're going to see it It may be the one thing that becomes a pretty sharp divide within the Democrat Party It is whether or not they're going to be pro-Hamas or pro-Israel, Israel, because that's what it comes down to. You're either pro-terrorism or pro-Israel. I mean, there's there's no other that that's that's the long and the short of it. Yeah, there is no moral relativism here. There is no, no. Uh, justification for the action. There, there's just there is no middle ground. Uh, and this no. this is either uh, do you believe in the sanctity of life and people that are legitimately trying to live peacefully with their neighbors, or do you believe that it's perfectly okay to to go murder someone and just take what they've got because that's what you want? And oh, while you're in the middle of it, uh, it's okay to to rape people. Uh, it's okay to rape small children so badly that you break their bones and do internal damage to them. Yeah, you know, that that's just perfectly acceptable. Uh, you mentioned yeah. Michigan yeah. in particular. I, I think Minnesota is another state that is in play as well. But yeah. uh, I, mi- unless you've been there, it is really hard to imagine as an American in most of the country that there are actually no-go zones in the United States. In Dearborn, Michigan, has almost exclusively become a no-go zone if you are not of a primarily Palestinian descent. Uh, that's why Rashida Tlaib is currently uh, 
serving in the House of Representatives. She does represent the district she's from because it's almost exclusively Palestinian Arab American at this point. Right. But it, it legitimately has become a no-go zone if you want to go proselytize for Christianity during a street event. We, we've seen videos uh, coming out where uh, the police will do nothing to protect these people. It's like, well, you knew what you were getting into when you went there. It's like, no, that's not how it's supposed yeah. to work here in the United States. Right, right, but, right. This is still America, right. But in that process, uh, that once leads me to circle back around. First of all, there should be no such thing as a no-go zone for police, law enforcement, or anything mm-hmm. anywhere in Western civilization. But, <clears throat> excuse me, with that being said, I brought this up with Richard back in the first hour, and I wanted to discuss it with you as well. Uh, We're quickly running out of time, so I need to go ahead and spit it out. We just recently saw several GOP members cross the line, vote with Democrats to prevent Rashida Tlaib from being censored. Does that make any sense to you? Is there some reason, rationale that I'm missing here that – makes it okay or is this just a flat out failure of the GOP to understand what their role is? I I, I think it is. I think that you know, I, I saw someone interview uh Congressman Thomas Massey from Kentucky and his reasoning was uh you know regarding First Amendment issues and yeah, okay, as as vile as the things she says are, yes, she does have the right to say them. But it's going beyond Here's what I think about Palestine and Israel. It's going beyond just an opinion. And she is, I mean, she's, at this point, she's openly advocating for genocide. You know, she may still be kind of tiptoeing around it a little bit, but but she's really not. She's, or at least she thinks she's tiptoeing around it, but she's not. She is advocating for for violence against Jews and against Israel. And I think that's where you have to draw the line. And, yeah, I was very, very surprised and very disappointed that that many Republicans couldn't get on board with that. Now, a lot of people said that, uh, you know, the, uh, the the censure that was written by Marjorie Taylor Greene, um, that, that they had problems with the wording. OK, we'll get the wording right and do it again, because yeah. there, like you just said, there is no no middle ground. Yeah, the the most absurd thing to me is we should be talking about the expulsion from the House of Representatives of Rashida Tlaib and Ilhan Omar and probably a small handful of others, uh, not for violating freedom of speech. They can say what they want to, but when they say and do and protest in a way that makes it impossible for them to honor their oath of office, then they're no longer – fit to hold that office now nobody wants to hear my opinion on that or else they'd be having her up for expulsion vote not just censor censor was supposed to be a middle ground offer the only thing they thought they could get it's literally the weakest uh, smack on the back of the hand that you could offer up for behavior that is clear she is doing more to represent hamas than she ever has the american people period regardless of who lives in her district ilhan omar <clears throat> Excuse me. She's done more to to back up Somalia and get American taxpayer dollars into Somalia than she ever has anything for the American people. And that is the initial job. That is part of the oath of office. They're not protecting and defending the Constitution and doing the work of the people. They are subverting the United States of America and using this office to hold it. They should be being removed, not just censored. Uh, real quick, uh, Becky, because we're running out of time. 
uh, agree with me or disagree, and if so, why? I do, I do. Um, and I, I say this, and it comes from kind of a personal standpoint. My congresswoman is Cori Bush, unfortunately. So, uh, yeah, I would like to do whatever it is that needs to be done to get people who are anti, clearly anti-American out, out of out of Congress. If that's if if they're advocating for terrorists and they're advocating for those kinds of organizations and that kind of ideology, then you're right; they don't need to be there. And uh, hopefully, we'll do a little better in Missouri next year. <laughs> Well, we can hope. At least Cory Bush is only squad adjacent. <laughs> oh, I don't know. So, I don't know anymore. She's pretty bad. She's definitely part of the uh, Hamas caucus. There's no doubt about yeah. that. Uh, yeah. yeah. All right. Well, Becky, again, thank you so much for joining us tonight. I, I appreciate your insights. Still loving your work. Still hope everybody will take the time to visit. Uh, Godspeed to you, ma'am. Uh, any final thoughts you want to throw out there as we have uh, just a few seconds left before I have to pitch my last sponsor? <laughs> well, just thank you so much for having me on again, Tim. I always enjoy coming on and talking to you, and and, and I hope your listeners enjoy it too. <laughs> and and forever, whoever is uh, out there reading my work, thank you very much. I appreciate it. All right. Let's do it again in about a month or so. And uh, okay. meanwhile, keep up all the great work, Becky. I'm loving it. Thank you so much, Tim. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that was Becky Noble. And again, check her out over at Red State and check her out over at Substack. You're looking for gumshoe politics. Now, real quick, let me remind you, our friends over at Four Patriots, they want to make sure that you're prepared when things go sideways. Uh, They are best situated to do that for you. And I talked to the folks over there, and they've set up a special page for listeners of Tap Into The Truth to get a look at this week's discounts and deals before they go away, whether the sale comes to an end or they sell out. You can visit them at 4patriots.com backslash T-A-P-P to see that page. And I want to remind you again that it's the number four, not spell out the word. It's the number four, patriots.com backslash T-A-P-P. In the meanwhile, that's going to have to be it for tonight. Thank you once again for being here. As always, I appreciate it. And remember, don't take my word for it. Don't take their word for it. Be prepared to put in some effort. And most importantly, use your brain if you really want to tap into the truth. Have a great weekend, everybody, and let's get back together next week. Using both hands Founders knew the Second Amendment was the final one to keep 
is using both hands. Using both hands. Mm-hmm.